Welcome to the Fitness Candor Podcast. Your host, Eric Feigl, will be bringing you the truth about exercise and the fitness industry. You'll hear from fitness professionals, exercise science professors and researchers, fitness industry entrepreneurs and leaders, as well as people who simply love to talk shop. Stick around after the show to learn how you can get your topic in an upcoming episode. Enjoy the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Fitness Candor Podcast. Nelson Toriano joins us today. He is the CEO and owner of CoachNellyToriano.com. Uh, it's a fitness industry financial literacy company, which is basically why he reached out to me today. He listened to the episode I had a couple months ago with Billy Polson about how trainers can build a better, uh, basically a, a better business by reaching more clients, building that client. Uh, clientele. What we didn't kind of dive into was record keeping um, and things like that. So um, Nelson reached out to me and he said, hey, I kind of want to expand on that idea. And I loved it because I think, uh, it again, I, I, I kind of beat this to death when I say it, but it's not talked about a lot um, about how to keep track of all your finances and things like that. So this is going to be a really informative uh, podcast, really in-depth podcast. We're going to try to condense it down about an hour or so, so people can get the most out of it. But um, uh, Nelson is the author of the book "For the Fit but Poor Personal Trainer: A Guide to a Guide on How to Train Money, Not Muscle, to Grow." So let's uh, let's dive right into it. Nelson, welcome to the show. I appreciate you coming on. Hey, thank you so much. Thank you for the opportunity. I'm really excited. Awesome. Well, tell us a little bit more about yourself. How you got into um, into the fitness industry and why you started leaning towards the financial side? Sure. Uh, a little bit about me. I'm based um, here just south of San Francisco in Silicon Valley, California. Uh, my background, I went to the University of San Francisco. I was actually a journalism major, but I went to California State University, Hayward, which is now California State East Bay. I got my master's of business administration there and I have my certification um, not only in NASM, but also at Stanford University in terms of entrepreneurship in the Bay Area, you just kind of end up leaning into the Silicon Valley jobs. And so I ended up working in tech for about 10 or so years. Um, but my side hustle for about 15 years was training clients and teaching group X. So I was always in the fitness world, but mostly on a part-time basis, helping people on the side while I'm making my money in the tech world. And the income level in the tech world is pretty high. Um, right. <laughs> <laughs> and it's exorbitantly high so in, in many cases. Um, however, me, as well as many people who've spent a lot of years sitting behind a cubicle in corporate America, um, there gets to a point in your emotions, in your career, where you start feeling a little empty. Um, you kind of want to, hey, the money is great, and it's afforded you a lot of options, but there's something else in the world you want to start giving back. You want this passion and this um, vitality that you're missing in your career. So um, I started examining how much I love working with clients. I loved exercise. I love fitness. And so around 2012, that's when I switched gears. I started pursuing fitness full-time um, and then I started doing tech part-time. Um, okay. The leap of faith that I took, to be honest, and if any listeners are in that state where they're thinking about switching careers altogether to pursue their passion, um, one, highly advise it, to calculate your risk. <laughs> calculate your risk and calculate how much money that you're going to need. 
Um, and I remember going through the interview process because the opportunity to, for uh, one of my employers, at the time I was only Group X, she offered it to me, but she leaned in. She leans in and she's all, you know, you're not going to make as much in the tech, uh, as much as you did in the tech industry, right? You know, running a gym. And I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm ready. Um, so I got the job and I loved it. I mean, every day was awesome. I was doing what I, would, I, I love to do. I was working with people who I, I look forward to working with every single day. And then there was the reality of the career, the actual money portion, paying my taxes and, and, mm -hmm. and paying bills and things. So it was a tough reality check. Um, eventually, I hustled enough with clients and classes that I was able to end up, luckily, earning up as much as I was earning um, back when I was working in tech. It took a year or so. Um, and in that time frame, what I started examining among my coworkers was the coworkers who are schooled in kinesiology, physiology, and a lot of the sciences, um, mm -hmm. they go into the industry and many, uh, many of those mindsets is I have to earn my money through teaching classes, through uh, client small group trading, and maybe or maybe not I'm going to open up my own business or be uh, self-employed. Maybe. But I come from a business background. I come from tech and I saw corporate America and I saw all the nuances in order to gain wealth, in order to gain money. Um, and then I segued into fitness. So I had a different perspective that I know what happens behind the scenes. So the emotional part about making that shift was I saw a lot of the personal trainers, my own colleagues get really, really frustrated um, in terms of managing their student loans uh, to pay rent. And again, I'm based mm -hmm. in Silicon Valley. So average rent costs here, a studio, maybe a one bedroom, four thousand, four thousand five hundred a month. It's a, it's it's a tough reality, yeah, right? And then and then on top of that, a lot of them are burning out. So in our industry, in the fitness industries, a lot of personal trainers will end up quitting, and a lot of personal trainers will end up quitting within the first year, probably segueing into real estate. And I felt that it was my personal social responsibility to put some education out there to educate future personal trainers on what it is like to actually expand your mindset in terms of money, not only gaining the money in terms of sales and all these different methodologies, tons of resources on how to develop your own brand and how to develop your own channel and do all these things, um, but very little on what to do with the sales revenue after you get it. So explaining right. taxes, explaining your W-2, explaining FICA, explaining how to reinvest into yourself and reinvesting into your assets so you're not burning out and you're not constantly worrying about money. Um, so this is the inspiration for my book. I wanted to supplement, definitely not replace any of the educational resources out there in the fitness industry on how to manage your money. Again, a lot of those resources about sales and marketing are wonderful and super helpful. I just wanted to present the other side of the same coin. This is how the different ways that money can leave your pocket and leave your bank account. Mm. So it's kind of like calories coming in and calories going out. If you understand how calories are coming in, but you don't know how calories are going out, it's going to be really, really hard to reach your goals. It's going to be really yeah. hard to reach your smart goals and whatever goals that you have in your career. So my book explains the accounting and finance portions of managing money in terms of fitness terms and explaining it in a way that I hope my intended audience really understands. Um, your four financial statements, the four roles that any personal trainer can be in their career, uh, simplifying complex concepts like compounded interest and explaining what forms that they need in order to file their taxes correctly and developing mm -hmm. a business. Um, this is for any personal trainers who do want to become their own business, not just their own brick and mortar, but any type of level entrepreneur, social right. media influencer, 
um, but also being a very successful employee working up their way on the ranks. Everyone has a different career path, but everyone's need for financial literacy is going to be the same. Right. So that's my inspiration for the book. <laughs> so I like going back to something you said before about how what I thought was interesting because may, maybe it's like the different side of the country. Like I'm right smack dab in the middle of the country in Ohio, Northern Kentucky area. And when I hear somebody say, you know, that if they, if they don't go into, uh, if they, they leave the personal training industry, they might fall back into real estate. Here, I'm thinking like they go directly kind of into the business world if they don't make it into in, in personal training, right? So like that was just kind of a funny, like, because I'm sure it's a lot different there uh, over here in terms of yeah. uh, re real estate building. I mean, like it, it's going to be a little more cutthroat probably where you are, but the return is going to be a little bit higher maybe. Yeah. Um, and another thing I like that you said was, you know, the people who are going in have like these kinesiology backgrounds. If they're, if you know people who are even thinking about going into personal training as a career option, that's, that's, it gives me a lot of hope because I don't mm -hmm. hear that very often. I, and I think um, maybe, especially when it comes to like finances, people think about, well, you know, if I'm a personal trainer, first of all, they think that they're not going to make very much, which is not true. And they think that, mm -hmm. Um, they, the only way to get some kind of financial security is that they, they have to have someone who's paying their, paying into retirement for them and you know, doing all the, all the work behind the scenes. So they'll go into like physical therapy yeah. or into like cardiac rehab, which is great. We need those people out there. But if you're even thinking if like, the, if it's even being introduced to you, like personal training as an, a viable career option, all of these things, like this is why it's necessary to have books out there like yours because because it actually it, it shows you that you can build all of these things all these financial attributes that other companies offer you can do them yourself you just Absolutely. have to have the keys and um to fast forward in the conversation a little bit you said uh if you don't understand calories in the calories out you're you mean it's it's a circle it's a circle right mm -hmm. and you people can constantly just keep chasing their tails chasing their tails so even successful personal trainers who might have, you know, a six figure income, they might not be able to hold on to that because it, it's constantly going out the door. And, Absolutely. and this isn't, you know, personal trainers, it's not like we're the only people to experience this. It's all levels of entrepreneurship, like you said. Mm -hmm. So once we start to teach ourselves to stop chasing our tail mm -hmm. and to realize that like, maybe we don't have to work as hard to make that, that living, that, mm -hmm. that income level. Uh, that we want to, then then things kind of uh, take a shift from there. So, absolutely. So I'll 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 throw it back to you then. And in your terms, in your um, expertise, where where does one begin on on this journey of like you know the financial freedom aspect or getting the hands on their on their financial aspect? Sure. First, start <laughs> with the person. Um, and before teaching, this is the, my approach to mentorship. Uh, whenever I take someone on and I'm coaching them, I always have to start off with, hey, where are you in terms of your education? You may be a, a graduating senior or you may have been a professional and working in some type of capacity. Um, and then we'll t talk about what do you know and where do you want to go? Where do you envision yourself in five years? Where do you envision yourself in 10 years? But not just in terms of your career. Let's talk about, a little bit more about your entire lifestyle. Because you want to make sure that your career is conducive for your lifestyle. If you are, you and your spouse are planning on having children, if you're planning on relocating, um, if your parents are aging, if you're thinking about 
any of the above and, and, and having expand, and expanding from personal training and segueing into something in a personal hobby or something, all of that is going to impact how much time that you dedicate into developing your entire career. So all of those factors are important. But let's talk about what your SMART goals are. Because once the SMART goals are going to be defined, that's going to be clarifying which pathway, which who you should be networking with and what levels of education that you should be um, approaching. Not all books are going to be appropriate for you. Not all people you're right. going to be networking is going to be appropriate for you. Um, right now, it gets pretty overwhelming for any personal trainer to think, maybe I should be a social media influencer. Maybe I should be <laughs> looking at how many Instagram followers. This is, well, what about LinkedIn? And maybe I should have my own YouTube channel. It gets really overwhelming, but not all of those options are the appropriate one for you or your smart right. goal. So once that gets clarified, um, then let's talk about uh, what are the right strategies for that. If you are an employee, let's start up with four roles. Any personal trainer can work for someone else. That's going to be employee. Any mm -hmm. personal trainer can also work for themselves. That's going to be a self-employed person. Um, in legal terms, that's called uh, 1099. You can also be a business owner, register yourself as a corporation, and you can hire people, also pay the applicable taxes, and they can do the work for you while you are developing right. this asset. And the fourth role is going to be the investor. You can always invest in another person's uh, business, setting up the appropriate paperwork, or even simply buy stocks. Um, you can even buy, well, you can't buy it into MindBody anymore. They're now a private company, but Lululemon, Nike. Um, there's so many new, oh, Peloton, it, I can't remember if they already IPO'd, but that is another way to develop wealth yeah. and accumulation that will supplement your career goals, right? Um, and then after that, once you start looking at what role is appropriate for you, there's going to be four financial statements every person, I think, across all industries needs to understand. The most important, actually, actually, I say the most important one is going to be um, your net income statement. So the distinction between sales revenue and net income must be made clear for anybody. The sale, all the revenue that you get from making that sale is going to be constituted as what we call sales, net sales revenue. Basically your, your rate times how many sessions that you sold and that's going to be your income. That's going to be your revenue. But from that number, and every accountant has to do this, they have to subtract their operational costs. So how much did you actually spend for certificates, for example, or your equipment right. or your mileage or things like that. Then you're going to be in, uh, um, taking, adding in income from other resources. Let's say that you have licensing agreements. Let's say you are a social media entrepreneur and you license out your logo, royalties, things like that. That's going to be paid into you. And the most important that people oftentimes overlook is the impact taxes have on you. You have to pay your taxes. I mean, evading is legal. So <laughs> no, no matter who you are, personal speak for yourself, Nelson. <laughs> <laughs> so understand your income bracket. So federally, every person, um, especially as an employee, is anywhere between like the 18 to 25% tax bracket. Mm -hmm. You can actually go onto the IRS's website and calculate it and estimate that. Um, then you have to calculate your state. You have to calculate 8% for FICA. Uh, which is your social security. <laughs> um, and then if you're a business owner, start to, you have to keep deducting taxes. And this is where it gets really tricky because a lot of people think, I can sell this number of personal training sessions and I'll have X number, which is true, but you don't live off that sales revenue. You live off on the sum after you deduct operational expenses, taxes, you add on the net income, your net result is going to be net income. So that's the money that you use to support your children, to support your spouse, to pay your rent, to pay your student loan, to, to pay anything. 
So it's very common for anybody, entrepreneur or, or, or brick and mortar business to have positive net sales revenue, but negative income. And right. in Silicon Valley, we tend to use a lot of the tech companies as prime examples. So one of our prime examples is Tesla. Tesla was, Tesla right now, I mean, for a long time, they were not profitable. They had obviously positive net sales revenue, but it wasn't until, I want to say last year, actually for the course of the past year, layoffs, consolidation, mm -hmm. making the processes lean, that they actually became profitable within the recent quarters. So yeah. personal trainers out there need to understand and understand the distinction. There's going to be a cost to being a personal trainer. You have to subtract mm -hmm. that and also understand your tax implications. Um, it, the tax implication can be really confusing. So in my book, I did simplify much of it, but nonetheless, working with a certified, uh, uh, working with a CPA and your tax preparer, mm -hmm. and especially a tax strategist, can outline for you um, what are your uh, liabilities, what are going to be your responsibilities, and from that, when you take a look at calculating how much net income that you need by the end of the month, by the end of the year, work backwards because you may not really need to train that hard. You may not need right. that many clients or many classes. You may be setting yourself up burning out, doing all of these calculations, but you really don't need to. Going back and working within the context of your SMART goals, maybe then you can segue into other forms of passive income. Maybe you should write that book. Maybe you should uh, um, right. open up that podcast and monetize that. Maybe you should be monetizing after your followers. Nonetheless, I mean, be a really great personal trainer, obviously. Mm -hmm. Work on those referrals. And even then, you, yes, you can increase your rates and you can increase your specialty, but that will one of many ways uh, to, to increase your wealth. And so I really want personal trainers to um, increase their mindset. There's a lot of more levers to pull, to adjust, in order to make that net income level that you really do want by the end of the year. Right. And so as you were talking, I, was, I pulled up um, – I just have it. I have it saved on my desktop. Well, in one of my folders as uh, 2019 taxes. So you were kind of going through the list of things that people uh, should, should um, uh, keep track of. And so it started making me think, well, let's see here. I, let's just, I'm just going to go down the line and kind of look at what I'm, what I'm keeping track of. So if you are a new personal trainer out there and cause it is overwhelming Mm -hmm. And and hopefully, if you're in a, in a situation where someone is, is helping you and kind of mentoring you and really showing you the ropes, then they're telling you, keep track of all this stuff. So in my, in my form, I have a tab called business. Now, inside business, I have my, um, my gross income for each month, and then I have my rent for each month. Uh, and then I have what, what, like my cash balance for my um, uh, my savings would be, and all and my uh, checking at the end mm -hmm. of at the end of like the the period when I, before I submit my taxes. Mm -hmm. And then I also then I also track my mileage, which is pretty much the same um, every single year. I mean, there's mm -hmm. nothing changes about mileage. They haven't built like a new freaking quicker way to get to work. Um, so that's in, in terms of the business portion, that's what I track on the business side. Now it gets a little trickier when you get into like your personal, um, because there are some things you need to track in there too. Like if you're a homeowner, you have water, electric, internet, cable, yep. mor uh, mortgage interest, like all of those kind of things too, which I think is really beneficial. You mentioned working with a CPA, those, that person, that professional can help you pull out all of those things like, you know, real estate taxes, home insurance, things like mm -hmm. that. 
that that will go into um, in, into account. Mm-hmm. Then I have listed all of my distributions uh, that I distribute to myself, which is basically like me uh, not my not me paying myself, but me pulling out extra money beyond what my um, like my my I guess what you could call a salary would be. Like I pay myself mm-hmm. a certain amount every month. I list that. I've got all my savings transactions, all my office supplies, any subscription that I uh, subscribe to, mm-hmm. things like um, uh, you know, GoDaddy.com, WordPress, things like that. Mm-hmm. I have all of my business meals, which I record. If I talk about business with a client, if I take a client, if I take somebody out uh, that, that I am training, mm-hmm. then I, I'm hopefully going to be talking a little bit about business. Like it's going to be hard not to bring up training and food while you're yep. eating with the client. Yep. So business, business meals, client, client meals, um, business meals also include something. If I'm talking shop with another trainer about, um, you know, just about business in general, um, client gifts, things that we don't really think about. If, you know, if I'm buying a client, a massage, those kind mm-hmm. of things also I keep track of. Mm-hmm. You've got your business insurance that you might only pay, some people pay it monthly, quarterly. Uh, I pay it every, I think, two years possibly. Mm-hmm. Then you have charitable donations. Then you have equipment that you buy for your gym. Now, if you work inside of a studio that supplies all that, mm-hmm. it's going to be pretty low. But you might have a couple things that you buy, purchase for yourself. Maybe you know you travel from uh, place to place. Advertising, clothing, travel expenses, uh, continuing education, and I have a whole separate list for like things that I spend on po- uh, on this podcast, actually. Mm-hmm. So um, that doesn't include everything that I'm taking out and putting into like my 401k. Mm-hmm. So all of that's even, even, you know, even, even a, a, a totally different bracket that I have created here, which we won't yep. get into all of that stuff too. Cause that's why I, I just hand that file right over to my CPA. Yep. But um, is there anything kind of, missing i know i kind of ran right through but anything missing in there that you think people should uh, focus on a little bit more or do you you need to break it down depending on what level of uh, trainer you are i think i think your summary was great and i wish more personal trainers took their career um with as much diligence as as you do because that, that gives so much clarity into how the money flows if you're a personal mm-hmm. trainer and you're going to be an entrepreneur and especially if you're going to be a self-employed person you are going to be a 1099 and you have to, it is mandatory that you view yourself as a business. So you do have to keep track of your receipts. You have to be responsible for the liabilities. Um, again, I, you just said that when you're an employee, your employer can take care of a lot of that. And that's one of the benefits about being an employee is that you don't really have to think about it. If your comfort being, if your comfort level is within the employee context, then it's safer and you do can, you can produce a, a lucrative career as an employee. But there's a lot of personal trainers who want to segue into the entrepreneurship role. It's a different mindset. So there is going to be a significant level of diligence that you have to take care of um, in terms of receipts, in terms of cash flow. Um, Also understanding the forms. So I advise personal trainers, get familiar with the forms that are pertinent to your career. So if you are a self-employed person, one, it's in your best interest to have the appropriate liability to register yourself as a limited liability corporation at the minimum. Your clients will be doing business with the business, not with you, because you don't want to put your personal assets at risk in the case that you get sued. Um, Also, if you are an independent contractor, you are legally called a 1099. So if you earn, if the person who hires you 
um, has paid out to you more than $600 for that fiscal year, they have to uh, send to the IRS a 1089 miscellaneous form. So they have mm -hmm. to report to the IRS that they hired you and they paid you X amount. Now you are responsible for receiving a 1099 form from that hiring employer and you too have to report that money has been, and that money tr financial transaction took place within that past year. Because right. what happens, the IRS does send it to you, self-employed person, um, to verify if that's true and you better have that necessary paperwork. So it's little nuances like that um, and processes like that that kind of take a lot of personal trainers off guard. I was like, well, I thought I could right. just work. I thought I could just train. Right. Well, like, well, yes and no. You're, you're officially a business. So your mindset has to meet that standard. Um, then there's going to be corporate taxes. Corporate taxes is significantly different. And you definitely need to have a CPA. Don't do, those, do that on your own. Because now you're responsible for employment tax. You're responsible for benefits. You're responsible... Right depending on what type of insurance is, plural, that you have for your business and where you're located. Right. Workman's comp, that, those kind of things, all right? All of that, all of that. Right. Um, but again, like any type of risk, you don't segue into those uh, ventures until you understand everything, but you are, if you're successful in those larger scale um, endeavors, yeah, it is really lucrative. Right. <laughs> I love being a business owner, it's pretty awesome. Um, yeah. But yeah, having, having that financial literacy is super important. And again, it's always within the context of that SMART goal. Not everyone wants to graduate immediately and go open up their own brick and mortar or open up their own box or their own yoga studio. Um, I recommend for a lot of people who are just starting in the industry, do be an employee, understand yeah. the ropes, be a great personal trainer. That's gonna differentiate your skill set from other personal trainers. You're gonna meet a lot of people and you're really gonna fine tune all of the textbook knowledge and apply it into street smarts. So you yourself are gonna be your own individual person and that sells. Um, when you're ready, if you're ready, then if you are, uh, then if you want to be a self-employed person and put your own stamp in the industry, you know, you want your own clients, then start slowly segueing in that. But again, work with the context of your smart goals. When do you want to do it? How much do you want to earn? How many clients? All fitting in within your lifestyle. Maybe you don't want to be training seven days a week. Maybe it's only right. Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Yeah. Avoid that level of burnout by being clear with what fits you. Right. I think you bring up a good point though. Being an employee, there's a lot of value. And first of all, when someone starts getting into personal training, it's really sexy to want to jump in and, and become an independent contractor. And, and um, of course it's, you know, everybody thinks it's like, the number one goal is to, to own your own brick and mortar, right? Mm -hmm. Which mm -hmm. is, a, is a fantastic goal. There's a ton of headaches that come along with that that we can talk about. Mm -hmm. um, then there's the a step below that, that you just rent the, rent the space that you need from, from that brick and mortar owner. Like it's already mm -hmm. there. Mm -hmm. I, I feel like that's kind of a, a, a sweet spot for people. Um, but it takes a lot of work to get in there because oh, then yeah. you're, you're not, you know, you're not, being spoon-fed clients anymore than you would uh, like at a, at a box gym at like an uh -huh. LA fitness or right. urban active or something like right. that. Yeah. So the benefit I think to working at like a, an LA uh, fitness or someplace, you know, similar is you get to see firsthand what sales looks like, mm -hmm. where that money goes, how they mm -hmm. keep track of that money. Um, mm -hmm. And it's a different type of form. And sure that that company is like, you know, they they are paying, you the trainer so they're taking care of all your taxes and things like that but you get you get 
to kind of dive into um, maybe honing your craft a little bit more, exactly, seeing, yeah. how, seeing how those kind of things work behind the scenes. And then, like you said, slowly, if you want to slowly transfer out into, um, into being an independent contractor. Now, my question to you, because I, I've kind of told people in the past, you know, if you're getting into this independent, you're going you're gonna to become an LLC or, you know, incorporation, then do you, you know, do you need to rush out real fast and get an EIN? And my answer is no but I don't know if there's a sweet spot to where you need to do that. Is it three months? Is it six months? Cause I think that if you rush out and you do it right away and you get discouraged because you only have one client in three to three months, you know, two clients mm -hmm. in three months, whatever it is, then you don't think it's a business and then you go on and you let it lapse and you all of a sudden you have, you know, six to eight to 10 clients and you still don't have that. And next thing you know, someone tries to sue you because of some freak weird thing that happens. And now you're, you're on the hook instead of mm -hmm. instead of your LLC that you that you set up. So, what is there a sweet spot to where someone would set something like that up if they're going into incorporation? Would you recommend right away as soon as you do it out of the gate? Or would you recommend waiting a little bit? I recommend waiting a little bit. I mean, I recommend for starting off fine tuning your craft. And if you want to train, um, again, it depends on how much money that you're going to be exchanging. I would say if sure. you are even thinking about training on the side, why don't you just hold some classes for free to begin with? <laughs> There's no money. Or, or just go out into the community or volunteer or something like that. And let's say, let's see if there is an actual demand for you. Let's say sure. that you have that personality. Let's say that you know how to mobilize people and come to a class. That kind of gives you an idea of how much risk that you're going to be taking if you were to venture out on your own. At the same time, and let's say that the, 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 um, the results are going to be positive, and they're like, hey, you know, I do have a following, and I can get clients, then start looking at formulating your LLC. Then, you know, depending on mm -hmm. the structure, um, and hopefully that you are going through someone who actually knows what they're doing, uh, LegalZoom has a lot of great resources, but you do have to sit there and read through everything. Um, right. My best advice is that actually go talk to a small business advisor or lawyer, um, yeah. and they could help you set up the proper structure. There's going to be legal fees, there's going to be processes, um, and they will also tell you uh, best practices in terms of trademarking, copywriting, and things like that, and helping you create your own liability form for your mm -hmm. clients to sign. Um, right. That's going to be super important. A lot of the templates that are available will be general overarching and you populate it with your business name, um, but you want to make sure that you're doing it right. Um, and out of that, um, then you can start opening up your own, uh, start offering services, but you have to have your systems in place. Again, you're now, uh, in, if you're a self-employed person, you have to have your systems in terms of services rendered. Um, you have to have your accounting, your books ready to take on that cash. And right. also preparing yourself in terms of emotion and mindset, no business was ever successful overnight. I would say no business was ever successful in the first couple of years. It does take growth. So sure. if you are patient and you have the grit, you have to go in day in and day out, learn from your failures, learn from your mistakes, and you'll hit your stride eventually. In yep. the case that you don't, it was already planned out from the very beginning what your exit strategies are. So if your business was set up appropriately, you would have already been walked through the process of how to dissolve the business with the least impact on your assets or the least uh, um, liabilities on your financial statements. So all of that was already prepared for. So yeah, in the case that you don't want to continue business anymore, you already mm -hmm. set up that you can leave without that stress of, and that panic, like uh, I'm failing. 
Well, I mean, it was just a business ventures and, and, and every entrepreneur has a bunch of businesses that, <laughs> that were not successful. Right. You're playing a totally different game. So welcome. It's just part of it. Yeah, welcome. Yeah. <laughs> welcome. Yeah, welcome to the long road of entrepreneurship. There's going to be yeah. a lot. If you don't, if you don't fail, you can never be successful, right? Yeah. Um, so we, we talked a little bit about uh, the separation between like the the personal and uh, incorporating. I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to get ahead of, of where you want to take this. But I when I when I taught um, this business class at, at a community college here in Cincinnati. The, one of the things we talked about was the difference between, um, you know, having the income that, that's coming from your business and then having your own income, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you, mm-hmm. you have like, I have Eric Feigl Personal Training Incorporated and then I, all, but I, but I, so that, that all of my money goes to that business, but there are taxes I pay there. There are taxes that I pay uh, personal. It's different income levels. Can you speak to that a little bit and kind of give just a, a, a kind of a the differences, the breakdown of that? Because I think that's yeah. confusing for people just getting into it. Yeah. Um, again, I'll, I'll, I'll explain um, the surface level of it. So if you are in, if you're going to incorporate yourself, the, the most obvious choice and very, uh, yeah, the, mo- the, the first choice that a lot of people will have available to them is a limited liability corporation. Sole mm-hmm. proprietor is going to be you and a lot of your income from the business is going to be passed through. So in legal terms, a lot of it is going to be passed through onto your personal income taxes. So you um, are paying that and you have to report that your business, the number that your accountant has put on was coming through that business. Um, you are, uh, depending on the structure, you may be paying it onto your personal tax forms and personal tax forms, or I, I have to pay quarterly. Um, so I'm in my yeah. QuickBooks and I have to pay, I have to pay quarterly. And at the end of the year, I have to print out the four payments that I made throughout the year and then report that on my personal taxes also, just so right. it by transparency. That's very common in the LLC world. Now, if you're going to be opening a corporation, one, you should be actually, no, then I have my investment company. So, and Coach Nelly is underneath an, an entire investment company, which is the umbrella of all my assets. Um, and that is a particular strategy that you definitely need to have a CPA do because they're going to be able to calculate all the business expenses where the, I don't know how to explain. Actually, I do know how to explain it. Basically, the government wants people to own corporations. Okay. Um, they give a lot of more tax benefits toward it. So you can claim yeah. up to about the previous two years worth of your business expenses onto the current tax year under corporate taxes. Um, so you end up being liable for significantly less or your comp- your corporation is liable for significantly less. Therefore you get to keep a whole lot more. That gets really convoluted. So I'll stop, <laughs> I'll stop right there. I don't know how many personal traders actually want to do it, develop an own corporation, but just know there's an incentive to go in yeah. that direction. <laughs> yeah, there is. Yeah. Well, yeah, when you're, and you're, again, like you said, you know, getting, you definitely want to have a, a CPA, take a look at that. Um, mm-hmm. It's going to, de- depending on your income level and, you know, like you, t- well, you talked a little bit about assets and things like that. So, um, but, but, but there, there, there's a difference in, yes. in, in, in the, in the depth of, of taxes that, that you can go into. Yeah. I did um, want to uh, insert one thing. What personal trainers should not do, not do, is train people immediately with not without setting up any type of protection for themselves. Okay. Just kind of going out and just, hey, I'm doing, hey, why don't we just train on the side? One, you should never be stealing your clients from your employer, first of all. Right. You, sign, you sign that paper. And two, um, 
don't be selling services um, out in the public without actually giving yourself protection from being sued. I don't know how else to say that. Yeah. Go, go, go into a little bit more detail about that because that's also something that people um, now, uh, well, uh, on the flip side of this, I, this is something else that people will talk about. When, when should I get, um, you know, protection for myself? When do I need to contact an, an insurance company? And this is, that's, that's one thing that I say, as soon as you start training a single client, mm -hmm. then there are, that's, that's different than, um, you know, the liability insurance is much different than setting up the business. You don't, and they're, they don't have to be exclusive. You don't have to be incorporated or an LLC to have, um, to have limited liability insurance. Yeah. So that, that's something that needs to be separated, but that should be, that should happen right away because, you know, you start training that one client, they roll an ankle, it's on your yeah. watch. And let's yeah. just say they, let's just say they, you know, they're, something happens where they're like, you know what, this was a hundred percent your fault and you're not covered. Mm -hmm. You don't have that liability. I'll, I'll let you take over from here. Yeah. Oh, most definitely. I mean, we're, we're in an industry, we have to place our hands onto clients. We have to right. be in their presence. We have to um, be physical with them at, um, in order to make sure that they reach their goals. Now, if you were the customer and someone was putting their hands on you, um, you'd want to be able to trust them that they're a professional and one even having liability insurance um and having any type of protection one obviously in the legal terms is going to protect you and your assets and it's protect your business um right. but also it is a sign of professionalism you're not doing this as a hobby and i think right. as an industry we need to elevate that standard that if you as as, met, as um personal training professionals we should all be leading by example and say like yeah i am i have insurance if you need a copy of it here's my <laughs> here's what we're going to be working on right. um and it's it's going to be super important also so the second that you are working with a client and you are not an employee um you should have some type of protection it's protect you it's to protect the transaction it's protect your client as well so yep. absolutely you should and and there are different levels to that also and actually, I was just talking to uh, someone who was getting their business started at the uh, studio that I trained in, Mission 5. And he was asking me, like, first of all, about, about the companies. There are a ton of different companies out there um, that offer those kind of services. And each one will go into a different level yeah. of uh, in-depth about where, where you train, how often you train, how many hours, how many sessions, what kind of equipment yep. you use, yep. what kind of certifications you hold, all the way down to not necessarily just the, the brand company like ISSA or something. But all the way down to, are you, you know, you, was it USSA certified oh, yeah. kettlebell instructor? Are yeah, yeah. You, you know, a jump rope instructor? Like there's all these different things that, that can benefit you. So they get really specific. But one of the things he asked me was, how much do I need? How much protection do I need? And, you know, there's mm -hmm. the million dollar uh, yeah. policy. There's a $2 million policy. So do you have any recommendations on, on that? Work it within the context of your SMART goal. So if you're a personal trainer, and I'm glad that you listed all of those considerations. Um, in my experience, the, uh, the rate of the insurance also depends on the risk of the activity itself. So right. there's going to be, a, I've met yogis um, who are paying less in insurance than someone who's doing CrossFit, who are doing barbells. Um, I've seen sure. people who are doing boxing and they're at a higher risk. Um, so it really does depend on that personal trainer's uh, SMART goal. If that personal trainer is doing an activity um, that, generally speaking, is going to be of low risk, then expect to be paying a, of a lower premium, generally right. speaking. But if you're right. going to be doing something high risk and you're going to be doing a lot of plyometrics and 
throwing a bunch of weights around or something or doing something outdoors, like let's say that you're training for an outdoor obstacle race, those are pretty intense. Expect yeah. to pay premium. Yeah. yeah. So I, I recommend to this to this person to be a little bit more specific. I just recommended like look, you know, whatever their baseline is, which is usually like a million dollar policy, like mm -hmm. a minimum a million dollar policy. Um, I, I think I think that's a, a pretty I'm painting a very broad brush because you brought up a lot of good points about, you know, depending on the activities that you're going to be doing, I'm doing extremely, um, a very low level, uh, risk. I'm, I'm working yeah. with, you know, older adults who are just simply wanting to get strong. We're not doing a lot of, um, you know, um, plyometric kind of activities. They, not that plyometrics are dangerous, but you're elevating your risk. It's not very Same. risky movement. Yeah. So, you know, I, I tend to stick to that, that one to $2 million policy range. Um, I know there are different, I know there are different ones out there like that too, but it's definitely something to consider. Um, and the longer you're in the industry also makes a big difference yeah. um, as well. So I think, mm -hmm. um, you know, taking, taking that consider consideration. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I wanted to uh, actually piggyback on something that you said earlier, if I could segue into how you were managing your money and looking into retirement accounts. Perfect. So yes, let's do that. I to talk that's a little bit about that. And I think that is a wonderful great. segue. Um, and I'm so happy that you even brought that up. Um, let's go back on the topic of taxes. So right now, okay. the, what, the, what happened in 2017, in case anybody missed, and I assume a lot of people missed this, was the Tax Cut and Jobs Act of 2017. And what that did was put a temporary hold on our federal income tax brackets as is. Um, the incentive, usually the income, our, our federal income tax brackets increase about like 1% each year. Right? That, that is, kind of falls aligned with the 1% to 2% inflation rate. So we're always kind of at a steady hold. Um, right. Understand those two concepts. Now, when the administration put that temporary hold, that temporary hold will expire at the end of 2025. The reason for that hold was if people are going to be um, paying, a lot of economists and a lot of um, investment uh, specialists say that we are in a sale in terms of taxes. We are paying one of the least um, in history, and therefore the thought process is we have a lot of more cash. If, the, if Americans have more cash, then we have a lot more to invest. So what the government is trying to do is increase the number of jobs available, increase the number of investments, increase exports, and increase the GDP, the gross domestic product. I'm trying, um, I, I want to be careful with how many <laughs> global income concepts right. I can explain to personal traders. <laughs> but basically what they're doing is increasing the value of the dollar. What it means to the personal trainer is up until 2000, if you look up your federal income tax bracket right now, it will stay the same up until 2025. What happens on January 1st, 2026, it expires. And so your federal income tax bracket, based on that act, will increase by 3 to 4%. Okay. Now, what happens in between now up until then is that the inflation rate, that doesn't stop. So by the time that we get up to 2026, a lot of these new personal uh -huh. trainers who haven't been paying attention to their taxes are going to see a big increase in how much they're going to be liable for starting 2026. So right. the mindset right now is a lot of personal trainers are saying, I can gain more cash if I were to sell more clients. Well, you have, yes, but you also have to be prepared with what's going to happen in the economy, what's going to happen in life that's going to be taking away your money. So that's going to be right. something you need to plan for also. At the same time, if that happens, there is a correlation to retirement accounts. So any personal trainer who is not planning for the end of their career, 
right. um, is going to be setting themselves for a lot of stress if you're not going to be taking a lot of your net income and prioritizing what's going to happen when you are no longer a personal trainer, what's going to happen to your family. So taking a look and looking into, are you allocating anywhere between 10, even more percent um, of your net income and reinvesting it back into setting this, your, your future? There's going to be an end to career. So as those yeah. exciting as the beginning of your career and how far you can go, you also have to plan the end. There is going to be an end to it. So yeah. I'm glad that you also prioritize retirement because we're all going to get full unless you die. <laughs> we're all going to be there at some point. Yeah. So, yeah, it has to be as diligent as that. No, and I'm glad you brought that up too because it, that also correlates into um, how often a, a, a trainer should increase their rates you know, going along yes. with inflation. Because yeah. as, as that happens, that, doesn't, that does impact how much money that you will earn long-term if, if, if inflation happens, which it does. So inflation happens. If you don't increase your rates accordingly, then mm -hmm. essentially you are making less money over time because you're going to be putting money into savings. You're going to be putting money into retirement, the same amount mm -hmm. or maybe a little bit more, but you're still mm -hmm. going to be charging the same rate. That's where people get into the tricky terms of like, well, I just need to have a couple more clients. Maybe not. Instead, Maybe not. Fo follow yeah. the trend. Yeah, follow yeah. the trend of inflation. And because if, if your clients are paying more for Netflix or whatever, for mm -hmm. groceries, for gas, for, you know, for their own insurance, for other, uh, for other things, that means you are too. Yeah. More than likely, if you have a client for three, five, 10, 15 years, they've gotten increases in their wages and their salaries. They've made more money. Yep. You should also make more money. Yeah. Um, yeah. so I don't know if you can speak to that in, in terms of, uh, how often you could recommend someone increase their rates. Do you, do you have any recommendations? I know that's kind of maybe a little bit outside the scope of what you were going into, but I have, I have an idea in my head and I was wondering, I'm curious about yours. Ballpark figure. I say average is about every two years and, two, letting, okay. the, uh, and letting your clients know about six months in advance. My best practice is letting them know six months in advance that you're going to be increasing your rates by the end of the year and starting the new year. This is going to be it and do something moderate, um, anywhere between 10 to 15%. But if you give them, and this is the, the, the greatest thing, if you let them know well ahead of time, um, mm -hmm. they're more, uh, um, able to listen to you and agree with you. But if you yeah. tell them like in November or December, you're going to be raising your rates in January, it's going to be a shock. They're pretty much stressed out. But if you give them a heads up, they can probably negotiate. And, and um, it's an, another sign of professionalism. So my recommendation, two years, about 10 to 15%, give or take. But double check that. Have your Excel spreadsheet and making sure that all your rates do increase any of the increases in your operational expenses, any increases in your taxes. Make sure that your net income still yields the number that you want for that given year. Right. That, may, that makes total sense. And my, 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 uh, my number was around three years, every three mm -hmm. years. So two, two to three years, that's, that's yeah. totally feasible. And, and like you said, giving plenty of advance notice. Yeah. Um, and then uh, also, let's see here. I, I made a note. Um, so I, I, I think I have an idea of what you're going to say, but well, you, well, I think you, you, you did nail it already. The retirement account's around 10%, right? Do you have, mm -hmm. do you have a, do you have uh, a certain type of retirement account that you would recommend to someone mm. just getting into the industry or? So when you, when the personal trainer is looking at their smart goals and looking at their whole and type of life structure, um, there is another financial statement called your personal net worth statement. 
So on the left-hand side, it's going to be you're going to be listing out of all your assets. On the right-hand side, you're going to be listing all your liabilities. Your student loan and any other type of loan is going to be on the right-hand side. You have to pay for it. But any of the assets that you accumulate as a person is going to be on the left-hand side. Those are all of the items that are going to be generating income for you. So that could be your job. Um, the type of retirement account, one, there's so many to choose from. So yeah. the Roth IRA, IRA, 401k, and then, right. and then some people actually use real estate, like real estate investments and properties in order to develop their uh, retirement uh, funds. You can develop an annuity, you can get life insurance. Um, that gets pretty complicated, but for the context, just know that it goes on the left-hand side. <laughs> Which retirement <laughs> account that it makes the most sense for you? Um, I say read up on all of them. Get there is available resources that explain them in simple terms. Yep. You will gravitate toward one or two of them that you can understand well. So if those are the ones I recommend, those are going to be the ones that are appropriate for you. If you don't understand how to manage a property or how to increase or or, or annuities, if you don't understand that concept, then that investment vehicle is not the right one for you. But if you understand how 401ks work and you can right. actually clearly explain it to someone else, that's going to be the one that you're going to be optimizing. Um, over time, then you're going to start seeing the impact of that retirement and, or that, that investment onto your personal net worth statement. And then you're going to feel a little bit more confident to explore other investment vehicles. Start with understanding the one to two that, that even seem remotely interesting that you can understand because those concepts from that investment can easily translate and there's a lot of synonyms between investment vehicles also. So as long as you understand the term capital and capital gains, yeah, all investment vehicles understand or, or have some version of those two pieces of vocabulary. So start off with one or two. And I think, um, again, if, you, you know, if you're reaching out to a small business, small business financial advisor, they'll be able to, to kind of navigate you in the right direction based on your goals, your long-term, mm -hmm. short-term, you know, your, uh, how much financial risk you, your, mm -hmm. you, um, you have right now, depending on your age, longevity um, of, of your career. Do you have kids? Are you married? Do you plan to get married? Are you still in college? You got to go to, there's yeah, all these different things that they can help you with. Yeah. So, so that's, that, that's a great idea. If you, if you, can learn about a process or an, an investment type and you can then explain it like even at the most rudimentary level then I think that that's a pretty good starting starting point and you can you know diversify yeah absolutely yeah if you <laughs> want wait, it's later on right yeah I use I use that word like I know what the hell I'm talking about <laughs> you know, but no seriously you, you then you can start to diversify down the road but uh, yeah. you can also keep it simple for a very long time but work with somebody you trust um, and I think if I'm not mistaken, you know, if you're working with a CPA, then I think which both of you, you and I can both agree, which is a great idea. They, they usually have outlets and people who they like to refer to also oh, in terms yes. of like your retirement, things like that. So, Absolutely. Uh, cause that makes, cause that makes their job easy too. You know, if they need yeah. to, if they, they need to have all that information for, for tax year end and they can reach out and just get all that information. So. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So. Uh, so, so Nelson, I, I, I think we're, we're going to wrap it up pretty soon. Um, there's, there's so much to cover yeah. and your, and your, and your book goes into great detail. And I know you hit on some very, 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 uh, hot topics that people are interested in when they're getting started. Yeah. And, you know, you're, and, and again, you just touch like the, the, the ground level, like the top soil of yeah. these topics. So, 
Um, is there anything else, like a take-home message that you could tell people? Uh, what would that be? Um, when you are educating, well, when you are leaving the whole academic arena, you are completely 100% responsible for your own education now. So it's going to be super important that you continue to learn. Never stop learning, ever. Um, everyone is going to give you their best advice, and I recommend taking a deep breath and listening to the people who really speak to you. Everyone is going to seem right. It, things are going to start seeing overwhelming. Um, but one day at a time, and pay attention to how you feel. Pay attention to what topics actually interest you, because you will naturally gravitate, and you'll naturally accede to the things that interest you. Um, Listen to the people who will actually coach you. There's also be wary about the advisors who will try to tell you what to do rather than work with you to accomplish mm -hmm. your own goals. So be very careful of the keywords of like, uh, you should do this, or I'll, I'll tell you how to do this, kind of that forceful message. The, one of the, gravitate more toward the people and say, hey, what do you want? Let's talk. Let, let, let's, let's work something out together. Um, how can I help you? listen to those type of advisors um and then you'll naturally uh, gravitate toward the top, again top topics that, that you feel the most comfortable with the new personal trainers that are making it in this world have so many opportunities and so many different ways to design their careers that i i graduated my undergraduate in 2003 and my business degree in 2007. back then we didn't have social media back then the right. entry barrier to open a brick and mortar was very high nowadays the landscape is different so there's so many more opportunities for personal trainers to become successful, to become wealthy. Um, but again, one day at a time, one educational resource at a time, um, and reach out to me. I'd, I'd, I'd like to, to work with you, but design a lucrative career that really speaks to you as an individual person. You have a voice and you have your own stamp that um, is gonna make a difference in the fitness industry. That's some really good advice. So for the people that do uh, wanna reach out to you, where are the best places to, to get a hold of you? CoachNellyToriano.com is my website. I'm pretty active on Instagram and LinkedIn. Um, so find me. My LinkedIn is Nelson E. Toriano, my real name. Um, but Instagram at CoachNellyToriano. Um, email me also at Nelson at CoachNellyToriano.com. Awesome. And we'll have a link to all of that in the show notes, um, a link to where they can buy your book, and I'll have some of the highlights here also. So. Nelson, I, I appreciate this. I think, again, we're, we're just grazing the surfaces of, of a, just a few chapters of your book and just a few of the, of the things that people need to consider when they're not, not just starting a fitness business, but you know, just being an entrepreneur in general. Yep. So um, I, I think this is super important stuff, man. I hope this gets to the right people. I, I know it will, and uh, keep up the good work. Thank you so much. All right, we'll talk to you soon. All right, talk to you soon. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you'd like to suggest a topic or be a part of the show, get in touch with Eric on any social media platform at Eric Feigl or email fcp at ericfeigl.com.